Welcome to the Spiritual Life Management Podcast, where we help you bring balance in your life and live to your fullest potential with your host, Gretchen Smith. Thank you all for tuning in today for what I know is going to be an empowering and enlightening episode. I will be discussing a topic that is really near and dear to my heart with my special guest, Anne Barabay, PhD. Anne is a spiritual teacher with an amazing ability to share her inner wisdom to help people free themselves from societal and parental conditioning that is holding them back from realizing the highest calling of their soul. Her work has also allowed her to share the stage with renowned self-help luminaries, including best-selling authors such as Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Gilbert, Sir Ken Robinson, Anita Marajani, Gabby Bernstein, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. William Davis, MD, and Greg Braden, and there are so many more. (laughs) Welcome to the show today, Anne. Thank you so much for having me, Gretchen. I was giggling. I was like, the every time I hear that biography, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and I know there's more and it's so cool. And I'm so honored to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. Yes. So you are the amazing author of two books. That's it. That's it. So the first one is Be, Feel, Think, Do. And uh, the idea is that we usually um, engage our lives from the opposite. So we usually do, think, and then if we have time during the run of a day, we maybe feel it a little and then be at the end if we have time or if we even can make space. <laughs> right. And so that's that was the um, the topic of my first book went because I I myself realized that it was not sustainable to live only uh, with doing and thinking and mostly with my attention and my intellect, right? I didn't know that my body was my ally. I didn't know that my body was my friend and that there was actually quite a beautiful world underneath you know, below my neck <laughs> right. of, of emotions and, and spirituality and authenticity and vulnerability. Yeah. Right. That is so key because often we don't feel or we'll do anything and everything to just not feel because we don't even mm-hmm. want to go there. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think numb is more comfortable. Um, the author of the biology of belief, Bruce Lipton talks about this in his book where he says that the cells in the body can't be in protection mode and in growth mode at the same time. So mm-hmm. when we keep at bay the emotions that we deem bad, we also keep at bay the peace and the joy that's available to us. So when we numb ourselves, we don't only numb ourselves to what we perceive as bad, we also numb ourselves from the good that's available to us. So when we f- when we allow ourselves to fully feel what it means to be a human being and a soul in a human body, then we feel it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And that makes life rich and real and authentic. And yes, it's not always easy (laughs) because it can be intense. At least it's real. And I think that that's what we most crave is authenticity is that when I'm here with you, I'm here 
fully in my body with you and you're there fully with yourself in this conversation, we crave that kind of interaction. We crave that kind of relationship. We crave conversations that are more than just surface level where everybody's emotions can be protected and intact. You know, we don't want that anymore. We're done. Yeah. Right. I mean, because that's what we actually came here to do is live life. And that means every aspect of life. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I really, truly believe that, that that's our, our purpose as souls is to uh, remember more and more who we really are as spiritual beings in this physical body on this earth at this time in history with everything that's happening. Everything's included when you fully embody yourself. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. And then your newest book, The Burnout Antidote. Oh my goodness. It already has <laughs> raving reviews from Deepak Chopra, Bronnie Ware, <laughs> Anita Marjani. It's amazing. And like I said at the beginning, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I have had my own experience with burnout. And I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners a little bit about what prompted you to write a book about the burnout antidote, if you will. I I wrote the book for myself, really, truly, Gretchen. (laughs) Um, Because I had a belief, which was a limiting belief, that when you follow your soul and you are on your path, you don't burn out. And that's not true. You know, and I I wrote it from personal experience. I had a, a book already published. I had a full, you know, uh, schedule of clients as a spiritual coach. I was doing workshops and, and I hit the wall. Like I, I burnt out. And I remember this uh, one day where I was in my office and I was huffing and puffing, like clicking on the computer, like emailing someone back. And my husband came over and he said, what's, are you okay? (laughs) I said, Oh, I think I need to refer this client to someone who still likes people. And and he was like, Oh honey, you need a break. (laughs) I couldn't believe those words came out of my mouth. Like I'm kind of (laughs) still a little bit ashamed to realize that I was, I have believed so badly, so strongly that when you're in service, to others in the purpose and the intention is for healing and transformation and joy and happiness that, that you can't burn out. And there I was completely drained, fatigued and disillusioned and kind of ready to throw in the towel. So I decided to, to stop completely stop. And it was difficult. I mean, a lot of your listeners might relate to, you know, stopping the work that's bringing you, you know, the the resources that you need like if you have a family you need sure. you need to you need your job yeah but i knew that if i wanted to continue it at any point in my life like i needed to stop and see and explore okay why am i doing what i'm doing is it coming from the right place even though i decided to take a break people would email me and there was this impulse inside of me that wanted to reply and say okay sure i'll make an exception for you and i was like why is that i know that it's good for me to take this break. Like it's self-care, it's self-love. This is what I tell everyone to really listen to what they need. So why is it that I still have this impulse in me to reply to these people and see them? And that's when I realized that I had a need to be needed. 
mm-hmm. that I actually didn't know who I was if people didn't need me. And that was a big revelation. I asked myself the question, like, who, who was I before people started taking from me, before I became useful to the people around me as a child? And right. there was no answer. It was blank. Um, it felt almost dizzying because I didn't know who I was when people didn't need me. And so I embarked on a three-month um, exploration of that. Every morning I would ask in my meditation, who are you? Who are you before? Before people need you, before they started taking from you. And, and um, it was a few months into the process where I started to, to get the answer. And I realized that when I serve from a place of being needed or pleasing, I burn out. When I serve from a place of my cup is full because I'm connected to my core essence and I am enlivened by who I am and I am in reverence for the person in front of me as opposed to this interaction because they need me, it changes everything. And so I wrote the book. (laughs) That's so, so beautiful. Yes, I know I personally have gone through some major burnout in my life and I call it superwoman syndrome. I suffered Mm. from superwoman syndrome. (laughs) I was in a a male-dominant corporation. I was one of just a few females in my particular position. And I felt like I needed to work extra hard to prove myself. Right. Right. And then not only that, of course, I have children Mm -hmm. and I'm basically their only parent and I need Mm -hmm. to show up in every aspect. And there was definitely guilt tied to that as well. I felt like, you know, being an only parent and whatnot, that there was definitely some guilt associated with that. But what I find really interesting is that I found a study recently that said it's from Indeed, and it said that burnout is on the rise, and over 52% of the surveyed respondents are experiencing burnout, and that's up 43% from their last survey, which was pre-pandemic, right before the Mm. pandemic. Mm. That is just an absolutely insane number, and then to make matters even worse, 53% of millennials were already in burnout pre-pandemic. And Gen Z is experiencing the same thing at about the same rate. So it's basically a couple younger generations than, of course, I am. And we're already seeing this. So your book Mm -hmm. could not come out at just a more opportune time. Yeah, I I do feel like the timing is quite kind of right. And, uh, you know, What I see is that what we've been modeled when it comes to empathy and when it comes to service and when it comes to leadership is just not sustainable, that we have to redefine um, what healthy boundaries look like and what it looks like to put our needs first, not in a narcissistic kind of way, not in a vanity kind of way. But in a way of if I don't love myself divinely and in an embodied way, Mm -hmm. I can't give to other people to the extent of the power that I have. So I really believe that 
when you scale back and you take that time for yourself and you start to look at those beliefs that are propelling you to serve, you actually become more powerful in your service. It feels counter instinctual when you're taking the time off. Right. But what happens is on the other side of that exploration and that redirecting of your attention and peeling off the layers of that conditioning is that your service and the way you help and support others and inspire others is more powerful, more powerful because it is you are you're directly connected to your source, to your core essence. And so there's a beautiful coherence between your soul and your emotions and your thoughts and your words and your actions. And you don't lose energy from being multiple people for different people, right? Like we sometimes will go to work and we're one person and then we're with our husband or our wives and we're another person and then with our kids and with our friends. That's tiring, Yes, that's like tapping into these little reserves of energy that eventually will run out. What if you're always plugged in to your core essence, which is this source of unlimited energy and moment to moment you were operating under this only one you one reality and you showed up as you fully and completely. That is so, so beautiful to even just (laughs) think of, right? Because very few people are actually doing this if we truly sit with that and we really think about it. Because I, I know from myself, I was showing up at work as a totally different person than I was, say, at home or with my children, where I was my authentic self. Yes. Yes. And it's, and it's tiring, Um, it's this duplicity, this fragmentation of how we live and who we are. It's part of why we burn out because the ability to manage and control our environment when we go to work can't come from a place of allowing and inviting. So what I mean by that is we are creative beings and we are souls embodied And the way that we're designed to work is to invite and allow core essence, spirit, uh, soul, whatever you want to call it, life force to express through us in this one movement, one reality, not to control and manage what we say, what we do, when we do it and when we say it. To do that, we have to be disconnected. We have to disconnect ourselves from our hearts and our bellies, and our, our connection to our soul. And, and so when we do that, we operate on reserves. We, we eventually, and, and I'm sure you've seen it too for yourself and for others in your mm-hmm. lives, eventually you hit a wall. I mean, everybody has a wake-up call at some point. <laughs> and right. it's better, to, it's better to, to know that you can prevent the dramas and the traumas. Like you don't need to create more karma for yourself. Mm-hmm. What about just allowing the healing and the transformation and incarnate and embody yourself even more? Right. That's a great concept. So <laughs> as a society, do you think we are just so disconnected and overwhelmed that we don't even recognize the signs that we're not living an aligned life or that we're experiencing burnout? I think definitely a lot of us are blind to the subtle signs mm-hmm. Um 
but they are there. So one of the things, if, if you practice an embodied meditation kind of practice, you would notice when your energetic system is a little bit in balance. So before a problem in your body becomes chronic, it has been talking to you for a little bit. It's been sending you messages and signals. But because your awareness is mostly in your head, um, and I mean not you, I mean us as a people. Right. <laughs> Most of our awareness is in our head and in our intellect and our ability to manage and control. We miss those signs. And then one day, boom, ace. it's been piling and it's like an accumulation. And then either we say something we regret, we fall sick we lose something and we feel, we don't feel resourceful, a job or a partner or a friend or a parent, and then we don't feel resourceful because we haven't paid attention to our own being that's been talking to us. Right. Since, since we were little girls and boys, like we were very connected to our bodies when we were very young. There was no, who am I with this pe these people and who am I with those people? There mm -hmm. was only one reality for us. So there's a beauty, there's a place in the body where we remember how it feels to live like that. And we can bring it back. And in order to bring it back, we do need to be able to stop and take the time to stay in the discomfort of, you know, like I talk about this in the book, years and years of emotional baggage create a lot of pressure in the body. Um, yes. That's what happened to me in one of the workshops that I took 20 years ago when I was in pain for a few years. I was unhappy and I, I, I was invited to connect with my body and to listen and pay attention. And then this wave of tears and emotion started to move through my body and I hadn't, I couldn't stop it. It was so powerful and it was this years and years and years of emotional baggage that I had kind of kept at bay, try not to think about, push away. And it was creating a lot of pain in my body, a lot of pain in my body, in my physical body. Right. And when I allowed that to move, not only did the pain go away, but I also realized that I was more myself on the other side of that big wave of emotion. Uh-huh. Yes. And isn't that true? It's so true how if we're not living authentically that and our body starts talking to us, a lot of people, even the listeners may not understand what that looks like. But as you said, a lot of times it shows up as in pain. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I had fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. I mean, my body was literally screaming at me and I was so out of touch with myself at that point that it's like, okay, well, I better go to the doctor and find out what, what's going on here. And what I find so fascinating about pain or stress or burnout is that at the same time, I know for myself, I was saying, well, and I can't sleep and I can't do this. And, you know, this is a challenge for me. And it was never a talk about, hmm, do you think that maybe working 70 hours a week, week 
might be a little bit of burnout. Yes. <laughs> burnout was yes. never mentioned. Stress really wasn't even mentioned. It was like, hmm, let me see if I can find you something to uh, to help you sleep at night. It wasn't perhaps maybe you should go home and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, when do you think that society will turn and we'll be able to have our medical system line up with our wellness system? Mm, Yeah, I think we have a little ways to go for that (laughs) (laughs) because it's such a rooted institution. It's deeply rooted and a lot of people have a lot at stake and, you know, they a lot of people who would have a lot to lose and they're not willing to to let go for the sake of the wellness of the you know of our of our world but what we can do is 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 take responsibility for our own for what lives in our body right and get go on the journey of exploring what belongs to us and what wants to move and what wants to be healed and when I say move I see stagnant emotions from the past lodged in the body as energetic um, blockages right? right and so for example like if you're as I talk about this in my first book like okay so I, I find this frog in the woods and it's beautiful it's beautiful it's dripping in mud and I just I'm so excited I want to show it to my mom so I run to the house and I you know, put the frog in my hand and I lift it up and I say, mom, look, it's beautiful. And it's just dripping in mud and there's a white carpet underneath. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is the eighties. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) house were all impeccable and kids had to, you know, be seen and not heard. And, but so in that moment, what's happening to that kid, that child is that I, I'm myself fully with exuberance. Like I'm allowing my fire and my passion and my light to move through. And it even comes out my mouth with words and sounds. I'm manifesting who I am in this moment, but you know, it's a white carpet. My mom says, gross, get this out of here. Doesn't belong here. Get this out of here. I don't want it here. So that's like a very mild example of, you know, trauma. Right. (laughs) But when you think about, that happening multiple times, right? Over time. So over and over and over again, you hear and you learn and you feel that when you are yourself and you are speaking the truth of who you really are, you are not seen, you're not heard, you're not validated. But maybe in in certain situations, you were also reprimanded, hurt, um, abused. And so eventually the body learns that having your guards down and being vulnerable and being open is not safe. Being who you really are is not safe. So yes, people did things that, you know, they probably shouldn't have done. But at the when we become adults, it's our responsibility to explore and to stop blaming other people because we're responsible for what's in us. Yes. We can give the responsibility to the people who did harm. Absolutely. But what is moving through us um, and is this energetic block. So in that moment when that little girl gets interrupted and over and over and over again, there's an energetic block in her throat, mm-hmm. in her solar plexus, right? right? And so when that comes back to the surface as an adult, that's why I use the word move the, the energy and the information and the emotion is that that's what the body's designed to do is when it feels safe, 
and it knows it belongs, the body will naturally move that blockage on its own using breath and attention. And that's what I do in my workshops because it's what I did for myself for many years <laughs> uh-huh. to, to help heal from the, from the pain. I'm curious about what you did for yourself so, with the fibromyalgia. Yeah. So it, it all came to a head at about the time I was having a spiritual awakening experience. And so for me, I, I was fortunate enough that even though I had this career that was looked really great on paper, we had the opportunity to have a, an event, if you will. And the person that I was going to set this up with, we were able to pick any type of person to come in and speak to this elite group. And we chose to, to actually bring in a meditation instructor, which by hmm. no means had anything to do with our company. Hmm. It was just a personal development group. So that aided in it. So I learned meditation and then I just started going down the rabbit hole, uh, like I said, of a spiritual awakening process. So meditation really helped. I did a lot of just exploring my chakras and doing a lot of inner work. It was all self-done, self-taught. I didn't have a lot of resources and Mm. I'm just kind of in moving my energy on my own and also really trying to embody what I wanted to be such as healthy Mm. and whatnot and not living this life of being a victim to illness or pain really, really helped shift how I felt. And I did not want that label put on me anymore that I had anxiety once in a while in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep or that I had fibromyalgia pain. And I, you know, I didn't want that label. So I just embodied what I wanted to be. And that really, really helped shift me. But, you know, your book is absolutely amazing because you take, you take the reader basically on a journey and it's not one where I had to go on my own and I'm still working on it, like a self-discovery journey. I think you always have to continue working on it. Absolutely. It never really stops. Right. I think that's an important thing for people to know too, because we go through a big healing and then a few years later, something comes up and you're like, oh, I thought I dealt with that. Yes. And then we get discouraged thinking that we've taken steps back, but that's not true. Is that this pattern will continue to show up in your life, but every time because you've healed it in that context, you'll move to a bigger, more expanded context. So it, you know, I, and I, I do talk about that in the book too. I, wrote the book, you know, did the healing around my relationship with my mother. There's even a chapter called in the first book, um, finding mother. And, and then a few years later, this mother issue comes back and I'm thinking, there's no way, like I dealt with that, but it was now that I had stepped into a new expression of myself. It was showing up in a more expanded way and in a way that a new way for me to learn something else about myself. Mm-hmm. And so it does, it's true. It never really ends. And that's not a bad thing. It just means every single time you continue to become more who you're meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that as we're going through the healing process, that as we heal, when we're ready for the next level, things bubble up a little bit to the surface to heal us Mm -hmm. even a little bit more. 
Absolutely. Yes. Because you're calling in uh, a new version of yourself, a more expanded version of yourself. So some of the old has to go. Right. What, What was useful and needed for this previous chapter is no longer useful. And, and often it's around beliefs and habits, um, around identity, um, who I am, who I've known myself to be, and who is it possible for me to become. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, your, your mm-hmm. book is absolutely amazing. In fact, the book empowers you through a variety of different practical you know, tools, exercises. You mentioned breath work, meditation. Can you share a little bit more about what, if someone purchased the book, what they might be in for? Yeah, absolutely. So you can read the book like, you know, a self-help book um, with stories, a little bit like a memoir too, because there's a lot of stories in there from my life. But you can also decide, okay, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to do it. And you could read the book bring it on a week retreat for yourself and say, I'm going to do one of those steps every day. So it's a seven step process that's transformational that really takes you through meeting the core wound and then meeting the core essence behind the core wound and then really stepping into that power and then manifesting and creating from that place of power. Um, so you could you could read the whole book and then decide, okay, I'm gonna, you know, this weekend I'm gonna do a little mini process for myself. So it could be for a weekend, for a week, or for a whole year. Say, okay, this month I'm gonna focus on step one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next month I'm gonna focus on step two. But I I recommend that everyone reads the whole thing first because I think that they'll get a sense of where they're at and where they want to go from reading the book. You know, maybe they need, they want to focus more on meeting the core wound. Maybe this is something they've never done before um, in really facing that wounded little girl or little boy from your past and seeing what kind of power she holds behind her, her sadness or her anger or whatever emotion she's holding and seeing what is that power that, that unique essence that is her that she kind of had to tuck away through the years to keep it safe, you know, maybe through because of shame or maybe because of, you know, people not being able to uh, respect her boundaries. There's, there's so much. It's basically the process that I take all my uh, participants through when I lead workshops. Mm -hmm. So I have two day workshops and I have five day workshops and seven day workshops it's that process of, of going in and really looking at it, facing what is no longer serving you and then allowing it to move so that you can reclaim your gifts and what is meant for you. Right. And I know that you're located in Canada, correct? That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there are still a lot of places that are in lockdown situations and or they you know, they have concerns or they're just not able to get out to retreats. And I Mm -hmm. love the fact that you've put all this information into your book Mm -hmm. and people can just kind of use it at their own pace and their own timeline. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, I'm a self-directed learner, so I love that kind of stuff. I'll just like, okay, I'm going to 
I'm going to do this now. I'm going to focus on that. So yeah, I do appreciate that as well for myself. I have also like a a self-assessment tool uh, on my website that helps you kind of see where you're at when it comes to that relationship to love. I really see burnout as as, um, a spiritual problem. Like it's, it requires a spiritual uh, solution Mm-hmm. And it really comes to what is this relationship that we have with love? Like, how was it modeled to us? And how are we accepting it, giving it, um, not accepting it, not giving it? And how can we move forward to a more expanded experience of self-love? Um, and so I, I do have that on my website. It's called the Burnout Blind Spot. And it's a, a self-assessment tool. And it gives you a lot of support with meditations and different exercises that you could do to help you expand your relationship with love and self-love. Ah, that's amazing. And would you mind sharing your website with us, please? Yeah, the website is anneberube.com. So that's A-N-N-E-B-E-R-U-B-E.com. Thank you so in your opinion, what is one tip or tool that the listeners or anyone can start doing today that you think can either help them, I'm just going to say help them with burnout, because I was going to say mm. prevent burnout, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's too far gone. <laughs> well, it may be, they may yeah. be, and they may be recognizing right now I'm suffering mm-hmm. from a bit of burnout and yeah. or on what, my, I'm on my way to burnout. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, the the book helps um, especially empaths and highly sensitive people because there's a lot of us now, you know, a lot of light workers that have been born into this world right. uh, in the last few decades. And and we are sensitive, we are open, and we've been protecting ourselves so that we can survive and not you know, not burn out really. And so one of the big things that I like to say to an empath or a highly sensitive person is that never doubt that your high sensitivity is a superpower. It really truly is your gift to the world. It just hasn't been used in the proper way. And it's been misused by the people around you and the people you trusted when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I that people can do right away is to, one, carve out more time for themselves, like just private time, quiet time, you know, maybe reading a book or just meditating or even resting. Like, you know, if you start to meditate and you fall asleep right away, that's your body telling you you're tired. Right. And so just allowing yourself that extra space. So, you know, I'm a Capricorn and a type A and it's easy for me to fill up my calendar. Just easy to just jam it because I know I'm capable and I know I can dig deep, but Every time I dig deep and I push myself, I betray my soul. I betray myself. I go further than what is good for my wellness and for my, uh, you know, for the expansion of my own soul. You know, it kind of exaggerates the amount of time that you want to take for yourself. And most empaths and highly sensitive people are 
caregivers and they are of service to people and they like to be there for others. And so they'll feel very selfish if they do that. They'll, right. they'll hear the uh, counterindications, you know, they'll, they'll hear in their heads, like, you know, you can't do that. That's too selfish. Uh, people need you and you can, so you should. And all those, you know, um, like ways stereotypes that, or yes, yeah, exactly. limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Around, around being of service. So it can be harder than we, than we think to, to just take that extra time for ourselves. And then the other thing that is really powerful, and it's at the beginning of the book, is to learn how to use your breath to embody yourself. So one of the things that I do now quite automatically is when something stressful happens or something intense happens, maybe someone says something and it, my body gets jarred or, you know, I hear a piece of news and I can feel my body going into, you know, fight or flight, right. my instinct now is to deepen my breath in that moment. Because when something intense or stressful happens, we stop breathing. Yes. Our breath, uh-huh. our breath becomes shallow and we just, we don't breathe very deeply at all. So when we don't breathe very deeply, what we're doing is we're keeping in place and keeping intact those limiting beliefs. We're not changing anything. So if when something stressful happens, you actually train yourself to breathe deeply in through the nose and out through the mouth. Three of those exaggerated breaths. So the in through the nose, belly soft. So you reach for the in breath deep inside your belly. Then your rib cage opens and expands. Your shoulders go back and down. Deep, deep in breath. And then when you breathe out, you drop your jaw and you constrict the throat a little bit to make the sound. If you do three deep breaths like this, and they're called ha breaths from the Lemurian uh, Huna tradition of the ancient Hawaiians, you will in that moment tell your body, even though there is a perceived threat out there, my body is safe. Mm-hmm. And you're actually changing your biology in that moment. Your, your body's allowing is it know that it's safe even when there's someone raising their voice or someone saying something, you know, that is intense. Or, and that's really big because our body is full of these natural patterns that take us into fight or flight. And when we are in fight or flight for most of our days, I mean, we're, we're heading towards burnout. Like we can't sustain being in fight or flight all the time. Absolutely. So the breath, the deepening of the breath really allows the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in and to know, oh yeah, I'm safe and something new can happen. That has changed my life. Ah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do you think that we can shift the societal norm of I'm not enough and start bringing up the next generation to know that they're enough and what they need to do starting now to basically have them live an authentic life? Hmm. So what can we do as parents or mentors or family members? Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example with my daughter. So she was born with quite a bit of energy, so like a volcano, right? She <laughs> was so intense. 
uh, everything was big emotion. And because my big emotions had been suppressed when I was younger, it was triggering me, right, to see her really angry and really happy and really sad, you know, like those big, big emotions. And so I had to learn to really see inside myself, where did my fire get interrupted? And how can I own that and not project that onto her so that she can experience the entire spectrum of her emotion so that when she grows up, she knows that she's capable of processing that much fire. The reason why a lot of us have, you know, struggle with processing emotion is because we were interrupted to where our parents were uncomfortable, right? So if you think of a spectrum, maybe halfway, oh, I'm uncomfortable with your emotion, I'm going to interrupt you. So we learned that we don't know what's on the other side of that emotion. We've never gone to the other side. We were always interrupted. Yeah. And so when someone is has a big emotion, we actually don't know if that person's going to be okay, if they're capable of, of being in that emotion, because we don't know if we can. So when we allow ourselves to process our big emotions and the ones that were kind of trapped in our bodies from the past, then we can let our kids feel it all, express it all, and not take it personally. Because it's never about us, especially with children. It's, right. it's, it's about being able to witness their hurt, their joy. We don't need to fix them. We don't need to even provide a solution to their questions or problems. All they need is to be witnessed with love and compassion when they're going through something. That's how we can raise children who become adults who are not scared of their own emotions and are very resourceful in the presence of other people's emotions. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so again, the name of your book is The Burnout Antidote, and that's by Anne Barabe, which is A-N-N-E-B-E-R-U-B-E. You can also find her quiz that you can take and all kinds of other information at www.annberube, that's A-N-N-E-B-E-R-U-B-E dot com. I just, I'm so excited for our listeners to get their hands on your book because again, <laughs> there's just so many practical tools and exercises in there, including some of the information that we talked about today, but so, so much more that can really help us process burnout and live a more authentic life. It's exciting. I'm really excited to share this content with people. Um, it's, it's been a long time coming, and I really do hope that people find what they need from it and that it supports them to a, a place of, of empowerment, really, truly, and fulfillment. Right. That is exactly what it's all about, the empowerment, fulfillment, and really learning how to be our own health advocate. Mm. Yes, yeah. just like you described your story, that's what you said about what you did with your journey, um, that's self-responsibility and self-authority and self-trust. It's not always easy because we're not taught how to trust our bodies and trust our intuition and trust our gut and what we know, but 
this is what we're called to do right now. We cannot look for answers, you know, in the medical system, even sometimes in the education system. Like we can't ask for others to do what we have to do for ourselves. We have, will have a bigger capacity for discernment and decision making if we know who we are. And then we'll be able to, to lead that authentic life and then know what's good for us, what we don't want, what should be in our lives, what we don't want in our lives, who we want in our lives, who yes. we don't want in our lives. And then that changes everything. It does. And it helps us teach others too. Mm, absolutely. Through modeling and just being being um, that self-responsible person, um, people come and say, oh, what did you do? You look so good. Or, you feel so good. What what did you do? So that's way better way of teaching and helping others than preaching, right? <laughs> right, right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, Anne, where can we connect with you best? Are you on social media platforms? Yes, I'm on I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm also on Twitter, and then you know my website, anbirube.com beautiful. Well, I want to thank you so much for just sharing your time with me today. It's been an absolutely lovely conversation and just such a beautiful book. And I just want to thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy our chat. Gretchen, thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on Amber Bay, please take a look at the show notes. We have websites and additional information to her books and her quiz down in the show notes. Again, I want to thank you all for listening and taking time out of your day to listen to the Spiritual Life Management Podcast. I truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, want to thank you all for connecting with me today. Next, coming up on the show, we have Korea Miri of Korea Health. Korea is a holistic nutritionist who offers her clients natural solutions for their health problems. Her practice blends ancient wisdom with modern science to offer a strategic approach for those seeking optimum health. It's quite a fascinating episode. So make sure that you like and subscribe so that you are notified when the next episode becomes available. And if you love this episode that we just listened to with Anne Verabe, please share, like, subscribe, and let us know your thoughts. If you'd like to connect with me, your host, Gretchen Smith, you can reach me on Instagram at Gretchen Smith Coaching, as well as shoot me an email at GretchenSmithCoaching at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day and namaste.